Hello, everyone. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode 42. I'm Jamie Berger. My guest today is Julie Clam. She has just finished her fifth book. Her first four were various kinds of memoir. With the last two, uh, You Had Me at Wolf and Love at First Bark, focused on dog rescue or seeing her life through the, through the lens of dog rescue is the way I'd say it. Her new book is something of a departure. It's called The Stars in Our Eyes, The Famous, The Infamous, and Why We Care Way Too Much About Them. As you might guess, we had a few things to talk about. The chapters of the book, which are really more like independent essays, range from discussions of celebrity now versus the old days, to celebrity scandal, to how stars are made, to why we're so obsessed with them, to her own supposedly former obsession with Jennifer Aniston, uh, with a great little uh, section on, on her evolving friendship with uh, Timothy Hutton, which we talk about a little bit. Each chapter or essay concludes with intermissions, which are short half-page to two-page snippets of friends and colleagues' interaction with various celebrities. And I'd like to read a, bit, a little bit from Kathy Hanauer's intermission, which takes place at a party, which she is hosting, and Molly Ringwald happens to be attending. I had grown up in the era of the Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles, so even though by the time of the party Molly wasn't quite as famous anymore, I still thought of her as a big star. I can't remember whether I knew she was coming or not, but when I saw her, I thought, oh my God, she was sitting by herself on a couch. She was just sitting there, looking bored or shy, or basically like she wasn't having much fun at all. What I should have done was go up to her and say hi. She's a few years younger than me, and I think she might even have just had a baby at that time, so I easily could have asked her about that or started some sort of conversation. I didn't have to shriek, Oh my God, you're Molly Ringwald! Can I please sit near you and breathe the same air? In other words, I could have treated her like an actual person, one who was nice enough to come to my husband's book party. Instead, my first thought was that she must be bombarded with starstruck people wherever she goes, and that must be annoying, which I was completely projecting. I mean, maybe she loves the attention. I also didn't want to be some fawning fan, because the fact that our culture elevates physical beauty and success in the profession of acting, two things that predictably often go together, to the very, very top of the hierarchy of humankind, over brilliance, originality, creativity, patience, even kindness and generosity, doesn't mean that I do that myself, or that I buy into this silliness. I don't, and I wanted her to know that. Put another way, I didn't want to be a star fucker. So instead, I ignored her. I avoided talking to her or even making eye contact. 
Later, of course, I felt like a jerk, because by refusing to talk to this lonely, bored woman, purely because I didn't want to buy into the culture of idealizing and idolizing celebrities, I did exactly that. Made her into someone unreal and untouchable, put her on a pedestal she probably didn't even want to be on, and then left her all alone there. Again, that's writer Kathy Hanauer in one of the intermissions that are a lot of fun. Us Weekly, because how could I resist a blurb from Us Weekly, said of Julie and the new book, In her eye-opening and humorous collection of essays, Julie Clam explores the fascination with the rich and powerful, while also breaking down the challenges tied to fame and why all this actually matters. After a slight technical difficulty, we spoke on the phone. Three days after the book was released, and the day after she appeared on The Tonight Show. And hey, don't rush off. Stick around for the outro, which contains our first celebrity endorsement. Thanks. Hello. Hello again. Is that better? Yes, markedly better. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I don't oh, Okay, know. good. Ah, so, hi. Hello, Julie. Clam. Let's say hello. that again. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, so, I I thought I would start off by by just asking you because I've been in the car listening to Love at First Bark. Uh-huh. While I read The Stars in Our Eyes and <laughs> You're having a, a Julie Clam multimedia experience. Yes, uh, but I'm also curious, how did you get from... It seems like the stars in our eyes may have been in your in your heart for a long time, and you just got to making it? Um, well, actually, you know, you know, being a nonfiction, sort of a nonfiction narrative writer, um, I think one of the, you know, fantastic things about it is that you can be interested in a lot of things as, as people are and, you know, decide what you want to spend time with. And there's not really a lot. I, I mean, I, I kind of do things um, intensely and then, and then I'm ready to leave them. Um, I mean, I always do dog rescue and that's always sort of happening, but um, I, I don't, I have, you know, I had two dog books in me and that was it. This book sort of came out of, um, I was, uh, sort of in, you know, I had done four books. I was trying to figure out a book to write about something that I liked, but, um, that I wanted to be around, uh, for however long it takes to write a book, uh, and not, but it wouldn't be really about me. I mean, I would be in it and, you know, I would be directing it, but it wouldn't be, um, you know, a personal story. So, uh, so, so, and, and, and I, you know, sort of like this was, was doing this thing where I would, you know, sort of sit down and, you know, write out ideas and think about, um, what I was going to do. And as soon as I started to do it, I would, um, uh, try to distract myself 
by uh, reading like an in-style magazine. And I found myself like, you know, it, it was like a period of my life where like there were, you know, there were a little, it was a little bit of a challenging time. And I saw how much I used celebrity culture to escape. And then, you know, it was like a light bulb went off and I said, uh, maybe this is the book, you know, maybe, maybe I can actually do this. And I, you know, I'm, I am very lucky. This is the fifth book, um, with the same publisher and he and I actually talked about, um, he also publishes, um, John Ronson who does books mm. sort of like that. Yeah. And he's, and I, you know, I said, do you think that it's possible for us to do something like that? And he said, sure, you know, and he kind of was doubtful at first that it could be about celebrity because, you know, what, what is there to talk about? And then when I sort of, you know, honed in on that, I found, um, tons. I mean, I, I, I didn't even use all the chapter ideas that I came up with, but there were tons of areas of things that I was interested in about celebrity and interviewing celebrities. So it ended up being, you know, to, for me, um, hugely fruitful. Yes, clearly. Uh, and reading it <laughs> was very fruitful for me because I've been it, it kind of brought to light something I've been in the year of making this this podcast starting to realize uh-huh. is the difference between fame, celebrity, and acclaim. And why, mm-hmm. when I said I was making a podcast about fame, I think early in the book you talk about people's resistance to, like, why would you want to, ew, the Kardashians, why would you want to do that? Right, right, then, right. Well, there's a sort of, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a sort of lowbrow, um, you know, uh, sort of people sort of look, look down on it in like a lowbrow sort of way. Um, and you know, I, you know, we, we're, I try to be a little more academic and there are academic aspects to it. Sure. Yeah. And, and the, and the lowbrow ones are great as well. And I think people aren't being completely honest when they say, why would you want it? Everybody thinks about it. Right. <laughs> um, I, right. And, you know, I've, I've had forty different, very differing viewpoints, and people. I think the trick is is getting people to pick up the book or listen to the show because they. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. people are also don't want to feel jealous or bitter, or I think that's a part of it that that uh, people don't know that they're yeah. avoiding when they don't. You know, those of us who you know people who don't pick up a gossip magazine, right? You know, but I guess they're not the people well, who would read the book anyway. Yeah, but then, you know, my my sort of response to them is you have a reality show star as the president and, you know, it it may be in your best interest to figure out how that happened. <laughs> and and, you know, we're 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 not this isn't, you know, it this isn't just about fun and games anymore. Um Yeah. So, you know, and I don't think that makes them read the book any more than that anyway, but I do think it's it's a valid point. <laughs> You, you're getting to something I was going to save for later <laughs> until you uh, were a little more comfortable with me. No, but I want to talk about the fact that, okay, when I got to the reality TV chapter, I was ready for us to dig into something that I've been talking to almost every guest about, and that is the importance of fame in, you know, besides misogyny or, you know, mm-hmm. racism in electing Donald Trump president. 
Right, exactly. And I'm thinking it was an editorial choice to leave the apprentice the apprentice and him out. Was it? Well, the the choice was that when I was writing this book, it was you know bef- way before he won. I mean, he was running, um, but I honestly. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I talked to um, when my editor and I said, you know, should we do something about The Apprentice? And he said, it's been off. The, you know, it's not really in the, the zeitgeist yep. anymore. And hopefully, um, uh, you know, nobody's going to be thinking about Donald Trump when this book comes out in July. You know, he'll be a, a long gone. Oh. So I ended up doing <laughs> I know it was, it was our wishful thinking. I um, I ended up going back in. Um, to the celebrity scandals, uh, I mean, not celebrity, political scandals, mm-hmm. um, to add stuff about Trump after he won. But the book had been, was, you know, done and edited mm-hmm. before, um, you know, be- before, you know, Trump was, was, yeah. you know, what he is. Well, that that's great to know <laughs> because, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it wasn't left out for any reason yeah. other than I had, I really was yeah. hopeful that it was. And, just a passing and, and bad the, wind. Yeah. The book pitch I'm working up <laughs> with with conversations from this show and an essay about the rise of what I'm calling fame culture is exactly like you should care about this. Yeah. Because look Definitely. what we've got. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good job on Fallon. Oh, thank you. That was... Um, that was a, 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 a kind of an unbelievable experience, um, but uh, I, I, I had a great time. Um, he, he's he's really wonderful, and uh, and you know, talking about um, celebrity culture, you know, you're you're in the you know in on on the, in the Tonight Show area with uh, Charlize Theron, and um, you know, it's sort of surreal connected to what I've been writing about. Um, but it was, it was, you know, great fun. And he's just the loveliest person. So, um, it, you know, it was, it was very easy. That That's great. Yes. And you, you seem to kick right in. You made some good, you, good jokes, the, the pumping gas bit. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, you know, he, and he, I, I mean, you, I, I, when I was, um, in college, I was an intern for David Letterman. I was actually Dave's intern. And it was, you know, so long ago that, you know, that show had like five interns. I think, you know, be- right before Dave retired, they had something like 90 interns. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I saw Dave, you know, he would challenge guests. He wasn't, he was not a, a softball mm-hmm. hitter. A Trump um, and the tie. Right. 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 And, and, but Jimmy Fallon is, um, you know, wants you to succeed. He's, 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 he's a, he's a good laugher, you know, um, and his audience is, is very supportive and everybody who works on that show is, is very kind and supportive. You know, it just, you know, I've worked in TV for a long time. It had a totally different feeling in that studio. So, so it was, it was, um, you know, was definitely a great experience cool um there was the one part of the book actually before i get to that the one thing that i noticed that i hadn't really thought about 
maybe it's because you were talking to Jimmy Fallon about celebrities, is that late night show hosts, it's, I thought about it since then, their role is to be, be this conduit. And so he was distancing himself from celebrity in talking to you. Like, I'm not the celebrity. Right, right. Charlize is the celebrity. Just because their role is to bring us viewers to the celebrities, not to be one. Right. Yeah. Right, right. But they are. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, uh, he, he has certainly um, been inside and outside. I think, you know, he, he's, you know, he, he's, um, you know, before this, he was, you know, really well known, but he, he sort of reached a, a, di- a different level. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, he was very aware of that. Um, he's, he's very aware of the fact that he's a celebrity, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's every person who is, famous or um, has been famous or is becoming famous has some sort of interesting perspective uh, on the whole picture of Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, he certainly did, Um, you know, and, and, and he, and, you know, he has all the questions that, that we all have, like, why, why are, why is such a big thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no definitive answers. Although the, the, the monkey study, ape monkey, what was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very interesting. It was uh, uh, in at Duke University. A neurobiologist took a group of rhesus monkeys and he gave them all a very salty snack and um, gave them a choice of either drinking their favorite drink, which was cherry juicy juice, or looking at pictures of the <laughs> high status monkeys, which the celebrity monkeys. And they all picked looking at the celebrity monkeys um, and actually had to be bribed to look at the B-list monkeys. <laughs> so, um, you know, that told me um, that we are, you know, we're hardwired for it. This isn't just some random thing. There's, there's, there's much more to it. And, and there have been other scientific studies um, related to, like, celebrities and celebrity interest. And, and, and actually... A friend of mine, um, Amy Harmon, who is the uh, she's a two time Pulitzer Prize winning uh, science writer for The New York Times, said that a lot of those celebrity um, studies actually made helped scientists make great strides with uh, um, their um, investigation of memory. And so, you know, there's a lot of you know, it's a lot of things connected to a lot, a, a lot of different parts of the area. But I like to, to to talk about that because then it sounds like it's um, there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes me wonder just how hard people who hated and avoid it like the plague are really having to work to do that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm. It's so pervasive. It's like you can't. You know, every every everywhere you look, it. You know, there's there's celebrity news and you know it's always trending on facebook or twitter or whatever you know it's there and what what's funny is it's there but it's so segmented i loved in the interview that your that violet your daughter did with you yeah she asked you about who did she ask you about who you didn't know and i hardly know because we're old 
Um, yeah, Eric Andre, Eric Andre. right? <laughs> yeah, because it's also there are no Malins, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, there are Kanye, there are a few, but their fame is so broken down and into all the little niche groups now. Um, uh-huh. yeah. I, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think you two should work together more. That was a great little piece. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was a, a, a. It was fun, but it was definitely a one-off. She's. 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 Um. You know, her yeah. demands were too hard for yes, me. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure her schedule is tight. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, her people are impossible to work with. Well, because you made the book less of of a memoir and more of a narrative about celebrity. Uh, it left me, you know, especially with all those wonderful little intermissions, wondering about any of your own intermissions with celebrities. Especially, we, the one point, especially in the book, is when you dropped off that you were Dave's assistant. And I was like, I want to know more about that. Yeah. Uh, so, any Dave stories that are... I, I mean, I, I, I think if you live in um, uh, a, a city like New York or L.A., you just have a million celebrity sightings. But I definitely look at them, um, you know, in different ways. I, I feel like there are, um, you know, it, 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 it's like, um, last night, you know, seeing Charlize Theron at the Jimmy Fallon show, that is, that doesn't count. It's a, you know, she was in captivity. It's like, you have to see them in the wild (laughs) and the, and the more they're doing the things that they do, the better. So like um, a month ago I was in CVS and I saw Patty Lupone, Mm-hmm. And she was at one of those coupon dispensers trying to get a coupon for Flonase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that was a perfect one. That's terrific. <laughs> I felt like, yeah, it was like a, it, this great little like slice of, you know, Patty LuPone, you know, wants to save 70 cents. Too. So, um, yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, and they, they are what, what had interested me was, you know, when I was writing the book is that every time I tell anybody I was writing a book about celebrity, they had a story, something, um, you know, something that they wanted to share, some who they saw and what happened. And they had it, you know, in great detail as if they were telling you about a movie they mm-hmm. saw. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I was, I loved that enthusiasm. Yeah. Those were wonderful. And I, I, you know, there was, it was sort of funny because I was kind of collecting them throughout the, uh, the process and, um, uh, and I would find that like nine people had a Lauren Bacall story, you know, mm. or something like that. I wish I had a Lauren Bacall story. No, none of them were positive. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I've, I think I've heard that too. <laughs> but con- conversely, uh, speaking of your Patty Lupone uh, story, Mel Brooks wants to save you a quarter. <laughs> right, right, right. Kelly Carlin. Right. You got to read the book, folks. If you want to know about that, yeah, yeah, no, that I know that that was a great one. That was cute, and the Leo one, the Leo, the Leonardo DiCaprio one was kind of heartbreaking because I'd be like, how, how could she not have like tried to get his? <laughs> Never mind. Read the book; it's really fun, everybody. No, no, they're they're they yeah, they're people, and they're they are they're very meaningful to people. So, um, you know that that and that you have to sort of um, take into account. These are important stories that people are sharing. The, the, the an interesting difference, like reading your book, which I you know I I did feel a lot of kinship with, but also is very yours is much more about a list people, whereas mine is either about people climbing up or who have climbed halfway up and come back down the ladder, 
or who are uh, John Hodgman, and you know, and in between. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned John because he's one right. of the only people. He and Neil Pollock, uh, the writer, were two of the only people who seemed to be very much like, yeah, I'd like some of that big stuff if it were to happen. <laughs> Other people were more uh, either genuinely like wouldn't want more or in denial. And so I tend to ask people about I mean, what level of being stopped on the street would be good and what level would be too much for you, Julie? Well, I mean, you know, I, I look at, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of like the, the people that are, you know, all over the tabloids all the time and, you know, and that sort of relentless, uh, spotlight would kill me. I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to stand it. Um, you know, uh, the 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 you know the um i i interviewed doris roberts and she said um you know while she was on everybody loves raymond she could walk into any restaurant at any time the hottest restaurant get a great table and as soon as it was over she'd go into the same restaurant and they'd say sorry you don't have a reservation and she said you know when you're hot you're hot when you're not you're not and um and you know i i thought that was appalling it's sort of like you know uh cinderella um uh who uh you know after the every all after she goes back to rags yeah almost as appalling as the tina fey quote in the book it's so brilliant and horrible i thought i typed i wrote it down here i don't want to um misquote it but it's to the effect that uh in hollywood a woman becomes crazy when she's too old to fuck and keeps talking. Or, right. Yeah. Right. Horrible. Yeah. Insightful. <laughs> it is. I mean, uh, some somebody um, yesterday, and, and I did an event after the um, the Tonight Show taping, asked if there's a difference between being a man and being a woman in Hollywood, and I was like, uh, yeah, and there's <laughs> as as there is in the whole world. You know, it's like. It's definitely not fair anywhere. Um, and uh, so, you know, um, it, but but I think one of the things that's been very good about um, about Hollywood is that they're these people speak up. You know, they have a platform where they can speak up and be heard and maybe maybe help people who don't have a, a, a big Hollywood platform um, to also speak up and be heard. I would say it's maybe even a bigger disparity in Hollywood because of what you know Tina Fey mentions, yeah. Right. But then there are people who are like, oh, you know, boo-hoo, she's making, um, you know, she's making $3 million, not $5 million. But it's, it's still not fair, you know. It's, you shouldn't be making less than somebody because you're not, you know, a male. Yeah, it's a funny question that somebody asked you that. Yeah, I know. It was it was interesting to me. I I mean, I I you know, I think everybody feels that it um feels that uh you know, they can sort of see it. But I mean, in addition to the money and and that there's, you know, I mean, you know, the the Tina Fey quote um falls to that you can't get apart. Yeah. Like a man can yeah. get apart. I mean, you know, Jack Nicholson in um as good as it gets was playing you know, would, would, that would not have happened for a woman. That would not, she, a woman couldn't have been, 
the older, gross guy with a young woman. Yeah. Did you ever see the Amy Schumer bit where, like... Yes. Yeah. That, right? I she love that. and Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Tina Fey, right? And other people, they're all... Right, exactly. ...cast off. Yeah. Yes. Do I hear some... Yeah, yeah, that... You hear, you hear some barking dogs? Characters in your book? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> they are... They, these are the former celebrities... Um, uh, from my last two books. Unfortunately, I have this. All right. That's okay. Fiorello this is, is great. <laughs> um, he's very, very, he's very vocal. Um, uh, but, uh, they're delivering, they're actually delivering uh, my dog's medicine. And, um, Tyler, can you get the door? Do you need to go get it? I'm you sorry. Can, you can go. No, no, no. I just, okay. uh, I just, my daughter's going to get it. Um, oh, good. I buzz them in, but, uh, yeah, just needed to, uh, yeah. <laughs> but now I'm back now it's normal. Did you get to chat with uh, Charlize and or Mr. Phelps uh, in captivity? <laughs> no, not, um, the, you know, no, no one, everybody was doing their own sort of preparation. It wasn't a green room, um, which, you know, in Letterman, all of the stars, you know, they went to their dressers and then they sat in the green room waiting to go on. But this was um, uh, just dressing rooms. So, I was in my dressing room with my people and they were in their dressing rooms with their people. You know, I walked by their rooms uh, and like saw them, but, but I, you know, I didn't do anything. And, and mainly because I was thinking that uh, I had to focus on what I was doing and I was sure that they were probably doing the same. Charlize did this, uh, this, uh, you know, big dance segment. Yes. um, Yes. You know, yes. In very high heels. Yes. I wanted you to get a dance um, segment, to be honest. It would have been, it would have given us something to do. I know. was lucky to get anything. I was lucky to get a talk segment, but who knows? Maybe that'll be a next time. Yeah. I thought, you know, it might have seemed very, very quick, but but a few weeks ago, like the, right after I talked to David Sedaris, he went to record for Colbert and he got squeezed into the very end and it was much too short. So I, I thought you got a good bit yeah. in about your work. And, I did. I, I definitely did, and um, I, and I was, you know, they they have that that show organized like a perfectly well oiled machine, and um, you know the time the time was carefully monitored. I you know I I you know as I was um, I might have not been saying this to you. I I it's like I if I have more than two interviews a day, I can't remember who I said what to, but. Um, I was, you know, the, the, the sort of whole leading up to this point, I thought about how many guests on late night Letterman got bumped, you know, because he was enjoying one guest and, and so it went into longer segments and then that would be that, you know, the person would be bumped maybe, you know, three times. Um, and it was always, you know, you can tell when you look at a list of guests, who's going to be bumped. Um, and it would definitely have been me. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely the, the one that would have gotten there. And, you know, he was fully, uh, fully committed. And, and, and so that didn't happen, but, you know, I had, I was as nervous about being on and I was, as, and also about not being on, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it's short because it's, it's short in, like he came into my dressing room beforehand and we chatted and he said, it's going to go fast. We're going to have less time than we just did now talking. And, 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 you know, you are so conscious of it, especially if you're promoting something that you want to like, make sure you get your points out, but you don't want to 
look like you're doing that. So there's a lot going on in your head. I think you, you, you handle it like a pro. Was that your first late night? Yes. Oh. Yes, it was. But you had the other yeah. side. You had the inside view when you were in college. I did, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 50. That was a long yeah. time ago and it was a totally different world. You know, I mean, that was, you know, we had typewriters and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the high tech phones had three lines on them. Yep. You're speaking my language, sister. Um, <laughs> uh, well, here's, here's my little, a question I usually ask people switches from the celebrity all the way to the more, acceptable acclaim in terms of your own life and your own work. Is there any particular uh, people who alive, dead people or experiences where you've felt felt really good or people that you would have wanted to appreciate your work? Or is there a celebrity who you'd want to read your work and be like, wow. I mean, besides Jen. Uh, (laughs) Um. I, at this point, I just hope Jen doesn't, you know, put her out a restraining order. But um, this is Jen Aniston, everybody. Yeah, I um, and I'm joking. I didn't. I'm not that uh, committed to her. Um, uh, is there a celebrity who I'd want to appreciate me? Um, you know, I I love um, I love Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, all the smart women, um, I, I would be, you know, thrilled to be, um, noticed by, um, Kristen Wiig, uh, pretty much, you know, like that. Um, you know, I, I have been lucky in my life that I have been appreciated by a lot of people who I really respect and, and, you know, that, and it was really fun. Um, you know, somebody who you were like, Oh my God, I'm a fan of yours. Yeah. Anything come up in particular? Oh, hi guys. Fiorello, um, you you have dogs, right? Yeah, two. They're they're locked downstairs. <laughs> See, that's the thing about living in the country. I can get them farther away from me. <laughs> I know. I I have this. Uh, I have a, a a typical New York City apartment where it's like several of the rooms are just one. Let me give you an example of one that I really liked. Uh, my friend, uh, 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 filmmaker Penny Lane. Uh, it's one of the early episodes. She moved out of an apartment after she had made uh, our Nixon. And and after, six months after she had moved out, her former landlord said there was a piece of mail wedged in the bottom of the mailbox for you. And it was and it was a fan note from Philip Roth that she almost never saw. Oh, my God. So so that was a good one. Well, I'll tell you, mine, mine was um, Nora Ephron. Um, my first book, yeah, my first book um, was a memoir called Please Excuse My Daughter. And it was, you know, about growing up with my mother. And um, it sold about five copies, but um, it had a big um, review in the New York Times book review. And after that, um, I got a lovely letter from her. And, uh, you know, and then I got to know her after that. But, um, you know, but that was pretty much up there with, you know, the I can die now. Yeah, thing. that's huge. Yeah, <laughs> that's terrific. And I was really happy with this book um, that the people that I interviewed were happy with it. I mean, you know, it, more than it being like a celebrity whose work I admire, when you're writing about people, you know, 
you really want them to be okay with it. Um, so that, that was, that was very gratifying. Yeah, that's very, I'm, I'm like that with every episode. Like if, if, you know, some people I know aren't, you know, David Saris, maybe you're, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of media. If you don't listen to it, that's fine. But if somebody were to listen to it and be like, Oh, I didn't like it. I'd be just crushed. Uh, or I didn't like me on it if they didn't like themselves on it. Yeah, that would be. Uh, uh, that's why I appreciated just before we spoke. I watched because I just read about it in the book. The uh, the the uh, your friend Timothy Hutton the the trailer you two made for uh, for uh, Love at First Bark or was it the other one? Uh, and and that he was willing. It's different, I guess, when you're him to be willing to come off as a complete asshole. It was a sort of funny thing that, um, you know, we had talked about doing something and logistically, we actually talked about doing it for my book before that you had me at Wolf. And, you know, I mean, his schedule is all over the place and it just, we couldn't get it figured out. And then I sort of like, like sort of gently said again, like, oh, you know, if you wanted to but I didn't want him to feel pressured. And he said, absolutely. And, you know, I'm going to be back in New York on this day, you know, from this day to this day, whatever. And, um, but you know, those things can change all the time. And in that case we had booked, um, you know, my, my publisher had gotten, you know, a film crew and everything. It was like, it wasn't like, you know, I did a, a book trailer with, um, that my friend Ann Leary directed and we had, uh, um, Susan Orlean and, and Anne's husband, Dennis. Yeah, that was and, funny. <laughs> um, we, you know, that was just like us goofing around for days. It was not, there was nothing that anybody was paying for. Um, and then, uh, um, so, so this one was a bigger deal and it was completely in my court. And, you know, frequently with these things, I don't really believe they're going to happen until they do. And so, I'm only sort of half planning it. And then I think he flew in on Monday and it was on Wednesday and like Monday night, he texted me and said that, you know, he had just gotten off the plane. He was, he had like the worst, um, uh, flu and, um, and, uh, sorry. That's uh, okay. It all adds to the um, verite. <laughs> the realness. Um, and, uh, that, um, you know, and then I was like, oh, he's going to be sick and he's not going to be able to do it. And then, you know, that morning he said, you know, I'm on my way. And I was like, I don't have any idea what we're doing. So, um, I, on the subway ride in, I, and I didn't even, I didn't even have a pad with me. I had like um, a receipt in my bag and a pen. And I kind of wrote down a few jokes, ideas, and, when we got there, we sort of put the whole thing together and, um, he, and he was just amazing. And he, you know, his part, you know, I sort of like said, here, what if you're either like a really dumb guy or like a real asshole? And he was like, okay. And then he just did the whole thing from his per- perspective and, you know, and it, and it worked and, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you were flawless. You were spot on. I believed every, <laughs> every bit. <laughs> Um, I guess I've, 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 I have a, a great acting talent, um, a hidden acting talent. Um, not really. Um, but, uh, but it was, um, you know, 
uh, it was easy to do. And my publisher, who was completely himself, was you know perfect. He was. Um, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have to act. Uh, he just sat and and as he always does when you sit and talk to him, um, eats nuts. So. And looks kind of uh, chagrined. Right. Right. Everything you just said ties into. Uh, so I love the honesty of your of the way you wrote about your relationship with Tim, as you call him. Mm-hmm. And it makes me want to, if you, do you have a copy of the book handy? Mm-hmm. Because I, there was one part of a page, I'd love it if you read, and then we could talk about to, to wrap up. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Although I could, I could go on forever. Uh, I'm in, in my proof, it's page 66. When you're talking to Adam Schweitzer, Schweitzer. Schweitzer. Yes, my wife's German, so sometimes I overpronounce Schweitzer. Oh, that's all right. Uh, um, and and I was thinking, right, well, from where you, you say, I don't know, if, if you can't find it, that's fine, where you write, I ask Adam. I think this is the game plan for creating a star chapter. You talk about Les Mis. I, okay, when I asked about Christoph Waltz. So from I ask Adam to we, to we move on. So should I read from I asked Adam Schweitzer if he could make me a star too? Okay. I'd love it, yeah. I asked Adam Schweitzer if he, okay, first of all, just to back up, Adam Schweitzer was the guy who, um, who just basically, um, signed Christoph Waltz. He, he's a, a, a terrific movie star agent and, um, uh, and he, um, you know, he was telling me about how, when he read the script for uh, Inglorious Bastards, he, he knew that whoever got this role was going to be win an Academy Award. He just said it was, it was, it was an incredible role. You had to act and you had to act in many languages. So I asked Adam Schweitzer if he could make me a star too. He's a very polite man, but he loses his composure for a second. What are you talking about? He demands. Well, I imagine you can pick up the phone and tell Steven Spielberg that you have this woman in your office that he needs to create a vehicle for. He starts playing with things on his desk. I couldn't do that for anyone. Uh, Of course, I could pick up the phone and get you an audition, but this business is about trust and relationships. I think what he means is that sending me in for a big audition might not be great for his reputation. But in fairness to me, he hasn't seen me perform the role of woman whose credit card was declined at Walgreens. The role was called a triumph by the man standing behind me who was returning a vaporizer. <laughs> He's not convinced and we move on. <laughs> I really enjoyed that part. And in part because you didn't, did you know him before that day? No. How did you, how could you, <laughs> I could never have done that. You know, what happened was I went in to meet him and <clears throat> In like two seconds, I could see that he wasn't going to give me anything about anyone. I mean, he said at one point being an agent is part, um, part agent, part therapist. And then he said, don't, don't put that in there. Cause that's going to make it sound like my, my clients need therapists. And I was like, God, if I'm not, if I can't even use that line, you know, I'm, he just wasn't revealing much. And I was sort of sitting there thinking like, it would be great if something like happened, like if his picture fell off the wall, because this is going to be totally boring. You know, he's just saying like, everybody's great and everything's fine. Um, and so then I just sort of was like, well, what have I got to lose? I mean, you know, 
I, I, I didn't have his respect anyway. That is, that's great background because because I, I I was wondering what got, gave you the nerve to like make him so uncomfortable. It sounds like he deserved it. So yeah, yeah, and he'll never hear yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if he hears this, the podcast is blowing up. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, I hope so. Yes. Uh, well, it sounds like you've been doing these calls today. Oh my God. It's been a long, th- these past three days have, have been, you know, a huge, just, uh, I, I think I did 17 interviews on Tuesday. Um, but, uh, but you know, that's, that's part of the fun. The pub date was three days ago. Yes. Yes. And it seems like it's going, going wonderfully. It's going okay. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. All right. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, any, any New England, uh, trips? I'm going to be in at the um, Point Street Reading Series in Rhode Island um, in September, and I'm also going to be in Vermont at Man- in Manchester at Northshire Books on uh, August 18th. Yeah. yeah, that's more doable for my little neck of the woods. Cool. Well, maybe I'll see you there. Otherwise, otherwise, I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee or a drink someday in the city. All right, that would be um, lovely. Thanks a lot. Good luck with it. It's a great book. And Thank a, you. And as you know, an important topic. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. You can find all things Julie Clam related at julieclam.com. That's J-U-L-I-E-K-L-A-M dot com. You can find all of our episodes at 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 15-M-I-N-U-T-E-S-J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com or anywhere pods are cast, pretty much. Before we sign off, I want to say a word about uh, something people have asked me about recently and that we touched on in our conversation. You may have noticed, I certainly did, that after Julie explained how Donald Trump didn't end up in the book. I was more than happy to move on to another topic, The Tonight Show. This is not out of some carefulness or avoidance of politics, but more that I'm worse than bored with my own rage and sadness at the fact that Donald Trump is our president. He is. He's our fucking president. If you'd like to hear me rant about it and about my disdain for the Donald since the early 80s, go back to episode 19, which happened soon after the election and in which I had a conversation with Andrew Leland about just that. I think he's the worst. I think he's much worse than Mike Pence could ever be, and I hope he gets thrown the fuck out of office. The difference between a Donald Trump and a Mike Pence is that in our life, in my life, I've never seen anyone so vain, vapid, so obsessed with... I sometimes talk about Trump and fame, but what he wants isn't even on our radar anymore. What he wants is something akin to Caesar or a pharaoh. 
He wants glory, and he would gladly accept a monarchy if it made him feel glorified. I don't think anyone else in America is that amoral and shameless. And I root every day for his demise. Okay. (laughs) Hope I've made myself clear on that. And now it gives me great, great pride to bring you our very first celebrity endorsement from a truly great American. This is Deputy Director Gordon Cole of the FBI's Criminal Investigation Division. And whenever I'm not trying to hear what Albert and Diane are saying, my earbuds are sharply tuned to 15 minutes. Ed Patnode drives the train. Christian Kandari made the music. This is, indeed, 15 Minutes. I'm... Jamie Berger.